Carla. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to Creative Reboot. So today we're all in hysteric sorority. Today we're welcoming the lovely Janine Swan, web developer by day and writer and colour analyst by night. Thank you for joining Welcome, us. Welcome, Janine. Thank you for having me. Hi. Thank you. I'm very excited. Fantastic. <laughs> we're very excited to have so you. So excited because Janine is going to talk to us lots about writing today. So I'm sure um, I'm going to be asking lots of questions. So let's, get, let's leap right into it and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So, yeah, as Carla said, I'm a web developer by day. So... Four days, four days a week, um, I'm mostly programming um, and building websites and maintaining websites. And then um, when I'm not doing that, I'm writing novels. And I'm also massively interested in sort of colour analyst stuff and image consultancy. So it's very much about sort of personal style, finding colours that look good on people and just sort of yeah helping with that stuff so amazing yeah. i love that the- i love the way she says this in a really subtle way like it's transformational that the color analyst oh, stuff you've is talked amazing. to me about this before yeah yeah tell us a little bit more about that actually just you know while while we're on yeah. this subject because lots of people i think think of it as to give you the background when i've said to people oh, i've had my colors done loads of people have said to me oh like on bridget jones or oh yeah my gran had that done so i feel like it's it's much maligned and i don't think it should be because mm. it's wonderful yeah no i completely agree i think people People either either think that you're referring to like having their like dyeing your hair or it's that you know that Bridget Jones reference um which really does it a disservice so Mm. I would say so color analysis is the process of finding out what colors suit someone and the way that you do that is by having a a vast selection of color calibrated drapes that you basically hold up under their chin and what you always do you're always comparing two colors and what you're essentially doing is you're finding out whether that person suits bright colors or soft colors because it will be one or the other and whether they suit warm colors or cool colors and it will be one or the other um and yeah by that using those drapes and that process you you settle on a palette that works perfectly for that person in their color in their clothing in their makeup um and it just it is transformational i mean i had it done back in 2000 10 with a company called house of color and um i remember leaving there like my mind was blown and i think instinctively we kind of know that some colors don't suit us so i always had a bit of an aversion to black because i always looked like a corpse in it (laughs) and my my mum was insistent she was like oh it looks you know everyone needs um oh it's that fear isn't it it's so slimming if you wear black yeah and it just i just looked like a corpse it was terrible and so it was a relief to know that that wasn't in my you know palette of colors to wear but even just little changes so like i had my colors done i was like yes no more black and it was you know navy was my main sort of neutral and i even swapped my mascara so i went from wearing like black mascara to navy and like it sounds it sounds like such a small change but oh my goodness it made such a difference to my face that's incredible yeah yeah because i remember when carla was telling me about it she was very excited and we we got we started Mm. talking about seasons and um yes yeah it was it was absolutely fabulous because i'm I'm fairly sure if you were still in this country i would have made oh totally i think i would have had to have had it done definitely i like i like to think so yeah (laughs) but i mean i know for me i think the thing that that was really it's obviously you know i'm a photographer color and light and stuff is, is is what i kind of thrive on but for me I found it really magical that the I think one of the things you said to me was um 
you know, the, these color, these are the colors that suit you, and the ones that don't, they might be the reason that you you have a, a few pieces in your wardrobe that you repeatedly pick up, put on, and go mm, and take off again. Oh yes. And I always assumed that was to do with fit because my weight fluctuates mm. a lot, or to do with maybe I only really own summer clothes and I just wear lots of them at once. So sometimes it would be you know the silhouette or the it just wouldn't be working. And it turns out I've got five or six pieces that I'd been reluctant to get rid of because they were great, but just not quite great enough. Mm. Um, And then when I took my little swatch home, it turns out every single one of them was the wrong season for me. And it was amazing to know that that was... And at this point, Janine had not seen my wardrobe. um, As in my wardrobe of clothes, not my physical wardrobe. Uh, and yeah, it was just it was just an amazing thing to me because I didn't realise it could make that much difference. Mm. Um, it sounds like there's something yeah. almost instinctive about it as well, actually, then. Absolutely, yeah. I often say to people, actually, like, so it's not unusual for someone to turn up to a session and say, oh, please tell me, like, please don't tell me I can't wear X, <laughs> you know, and that might be, I had one client come up and say, please, you know, say that I can wear future, fuchsia, that, like, please say that's like one of my colours. And it was, it was, in fact, it was one of her very best colours. So I'd say instinctively we're often right in the colors that we're drawn towards yeah. and I think and then we tend to overthink it so sometimes the colors we we're drawn to just aren't available in the shops fair enough but other times you know we might be drawn to a shade of red and we go oh well, I can't possibly you know wear red you know that's that's too out there but the reality is actually true red which doesn't have you know any blue or yellow in it that that shade of true red actually suits everyone it's one of those universal colors that looks great on everyone but and so people often avoid red but it's one of my favorite colors because it suits everyone you know Mm. and um yeah it's you're right that the instincts is you know people's instincts are almost always right and the, the only other one I have is people turn up and say oh please tell me I can wear black because my entire wardrobe is black and that's not really to do with the love of the color black it's to do with the fact that they want to you know they want to feel invisible which is yes, is sad yeah. but when they see themselves in their in their colors then they realize how you know mm. when when you're being flattered by what you wear suddenly you don't want to be invisible so yes I agree Weirdly, I did the opposite so well, after I'd, I actually wear more black now since I've had my colors done with you because oh, yeah it's one of yours like yeah I'm, I'm able to wear black yeah um and and I had always kind of avoided it because I really like colour, but now I use it in blocks and yes. I use it in stuff and it's actually really... But it's really funny because I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's not that many people that wear more black after colour. Well, yeah, no, that's that's true, actually, yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah, but it's definitely made a difference. Yeah, it's really interesting when you're talking about, like, um, favourite colours and things because I'm kind of thinking about the, the, the fact that I worked for 20 years in the ambulance service and had to wear this awful green uniform for the entire time. Mm. And when I left the ambulance service, I swore to myself I would never wear green again. And now I love green. I have green... I have so, I've got green dresses. I've got... I'm wearing a green cardigan today. I I want to paint my house green. I want green on the walls. You know, so what is that all about? Is that is, is that have I been conditioned by the... <laughs> oh, do you know what? A little, people do um, come to me and say, oh, no, I wore a lot of, I don't know, burgundy, say, as a school uniform. Mm-hmm. And so they have an aversion to that colour, but actually the colour might suit them. But they, you know, obviously associate that with yeah. you know, sc- school days, which may or may not have been a positive experience for them. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting that like you you were like oh I hate that color and then suddenly wanted to wear I it. Do, I mean it's a different shade, but it is definitely yeah. still green. So. But then yeah. I think it'll be to do with the shade because yeah. I people because I was quite a girly girl um, for a long time and then I went through a phase where I would only wear trousers.
trousers and then I went back to my normal actually being a girly girl and wearing dresses but because most of my life I've been a girly girl lots of people try to put me in baby pink oh and baby pink is not my color I really so for a long time I was like no I don't like pink hate pink fuck off pink don't like pink. obviously now I have pink hair it's in my logos it's in my chair it's in my dress I've got more pink clothes than any other in fact I do a pink wash every week because I've got got whites blacks colors and pink that is amazing Um, that is amazing it's amazing it makes me really happy I didn't realize I've also got pink bedding I've got pink everything now but it's that really bright hot pink that you can see behind me here definitely no baby pink you guys can't sorry it's a podcast but no no baby there is no baby pink anywhere in my life and it's really funny because I thought I hated pink until I met Janine Mm. and then then I she was like what's this one and I was like oh quite like that yeah and then I had and then gradually yeah so I had a similar thing in that I thought that I couldn't wear pink as well and then when I had my color stand I realized that I could wear pink but I was just wearing completely the wrong shade because yeah. a lot of the a lot of the pinks a lot of the light pinks in the shops have uh, yellow in them and so they're quite warm which is not good for me because I have you know I need cool cool colors and um cool so pink. yeah it was just cool to to have that realization oh I can wear pink but I, for, yeah. I don't tend to wear a lot of it I have to say I tend to wear a lot of I, I navy think, I mean I think for me I seem to go too again too far the other way like oh now it's my now I would say it's, it's my favorite color but hot pink yeah I still cannot bear baby pink I'm really oh, not yeah. a pastel person so but it was interesting to understand why mm, yeah why I've never been keen on pastels and why the pastels don't you know they don't do anything for me mm. emotionally because they're not really doing anything for me physically and I thought that was a really interesting yeah. it's not something I'd ever really thought about until I heard you talk so passionately about colour no that still can't say it all these years oh. colour analysis yes oh no it is a real tongue twister <laughs> do you know the funny thing the funny thing for me is when I had my colours done like years and years ago I came home and looked around my bedroom and realised that I decorated my entire bedroom in all of my summer colours because I was you know in the summer sort of uh, season so yeah they they to to explain when you have your colours done you generally fall into one of four seasons and they just kind of you know spring summer autumn winter and that's just to denote whether it's warm or cool bright or soft essentially and so yeah when I got home I looked around I was like wow I've decorated my room in all my colours so your instincts are right it's just oftentimes we can't find our colours in the shops yes yeah that's always a problem but so uh, Mm. I've got okay we've been talking lots about colour analysis that is a really hard (laughs) word to say phrase to say it is it's not just me but how I want to know how all this ties in then to your creative journey because obviously this isn't the only thing you do so talk to us about this how do you end up being a colour analyst and a web developer and a writer and tell us everything Oh my goodness. Well, the funny thing is I got into computers as a result of writing. So when I was really, really young, um, I remember asking my mum, I was like, what's the word for someone who wants to write books? And she was like, oh, that's an author. And I was like, okay. And I like remembered that in my little five or six year old brain. Um, And so the funny thing is my interest in computers stemmed from my love of writing because I was like, oh, I want to learn to type so that I can write quicker. And actually as in, you know, getting to no computers my dad was big into computers as well I ended up um just learning a lot about them and you know getting into them and it just seemed to be something that I was um sort of reasonably good at and so that's how I ended up as a web developer because I ended up that in that kind of computer science well technically internet engineering but that that kind of um that pathway yeah so that's how I ended up um ironically the the writing um lit sort of led me to the um the computer the computer sides of things and then yeah and then the writing that that's always been there since sort of childhood and I think it's one of those things that um you know ever since I was a young kid I'd wanted to be a novelist but I I realized you know a few years ago that I'd just let that dream slip away as I'd gone older and acquired all the usual adult responsibilities um so yeah that's that was something that I realized like 
you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done some sort of personal development work. I'd had some counselling and had some life coaching, that kind of stuff. And I was feeling good, but something felt missing. And that's when I realised, like, oh, yes, this dream I'd abandoned. I've had it ever since I was a child and just abandoned it as I'd hit, you know, adulthood, basically. Oh, so feels like a kindred yeah. spirit right there. <laughs> I knew you two would get on well. <laughs> I'm just listening. I, I have one question going back from that, though, is mm. talking about, like, the web development stuff there, then. Because when you describe that, you describe it in quite a which to me doesn't feel like a very create it doesn't sound creative it's it feels like quite an analytical technical way in relation to the writing but do you see it as a creative thing do you or do you do do you see them as two separate things or are they quite similar that's such a good question um they are different it is very analytical it's very black and white it's you know there's don't get me wrong there's often many ways to solve a programming problem um so in some ways it's creative arguably in that sense um Mm. but it is very very different and actually oddly enough I think if I was maybe like a journalist or someone who who wrote for a living and then I had to write you know then I was writing my novel around that I actually I I wonder if I'd run out of like words almost or like because it's you know because I'm not using that in my day to day yeah I'm very much thinking about I mean I mean I'm using a different language entirely it's a programming language you know and then I and then I get home and I and it's just it, it does feel very different I find that so it does feel very different yeah it almost really allows doesn't it this extra create there's something else the to, extra, yeah to come out but I think there's a I feel like hang on I'm formulating words in my head and she's bouncing her hands up right and down order. like she's you know something we won't, Wait, talk, we won't say what she looks no, like what what i think what i think I... <laughs> sarah sorry my <laughs> carry on my boobs aren't that big um i think what i wanted to pick up on was that i think you said about if you were if you were writing for a living mm. and i think the thing that i would like to maybe explore a little bit there is types of thing that you do for mm. a living versus doing the thing and i mean thing with a capital t for your living that probably didn't sound very articulate but what I think I mean is so I experienced something very similar to what you just said when I was working uh, on websites in the day so mm-hmm. content editing creating bits doing little bits of CSS not not for long coding it was very much content and writing and words and then I was building websites and doing content for websites as my business when I had the website beautician back in whenever that was and I really struggled because I'd been doing it all day and it was the hardest thing in the world to then go home, have dinner and then pull out my laptop and, and mm. do the same thing again in the evening. It was like I'd reached my limit of, you said words, it's, it was yeah. a similar thing. I felt like I just didn't want to do it. When I then switched away from that to do photography and some other stuff, I found it much, much easier to still do the web content in the day and then do the photography in the evening. Mm. But then when I took photography full time, I was scared that I would find it difficult to do it all the time. Mm. And it turns out that's not the case because I'm not doing two types of the same thing. Does that yeah. make any kind of sense? It, like, it does make sense. Um, I, for a little while, I did sort of freelance web stuff as well. So I obviously had the day job of webs, websites and programming. And then I'd freelance doing basically the same thing. And I didn't love it at all. Like it mm. was it was it just felt like it just felt too like much? I was going, it felt like too much. It was just too much. Yeah. Like I, it was, you know. Yeah. Whereas I think what you've just described is really nice. It's that that different type of creativity or different. It's like a different bit of our brain that we're using. Yeah, maybe. it feels like it. Um, it feels that way. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I it's one of those things I'd, I'll never know because I'm not a journalist. You know, perhaps perhaps it would be okay. But yeah, in my mind, I'm I'm very grateful to have that separation. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
I totally interrupted your. You were telling us about your creative journey and how it. How it so from from there, that's that was how you got into the the computer development, like web development side of things. So yeah, yeah. How did then? Obviously, the writing was there as well. So how did you then? Yes. How did the color analysis stuff started to come start to come into it? Yeah. And then how did you get back yeah, to writing? Yeah, as well. Like, yeah. 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 That's a good, that's a really good question. Yeah. So the the um, color analysis really just came about because I was at. A, a WI meeting randomly oh, um, sort of for, for like for you know it was, it was WIG so it was like oh, you know wigs yeah WI yeah WI yeah. girls exactly okay. that yeah and so I was at one of their meetings and um the the house of color consultant came and did like a, a talk to us all about color analysis and all that kind of stuff and I just was so obsessed the moment she started talking about it I was so completely interested in what she was talking about and I remember at the end of her talk turning to my friend and saying when are we going like this had to happen I, I was so desperate to go and then literally I phoned I phoned the woman up the next morning and was like hi when can you fit me in wow. I was so desperate to go and so and that and really I've just been obsessed ever since and that's that kind of you know, I obviously bought the drapes myself and started draping people. I started writing about it. I did loads of reading research as well, but I ended up blogging about it because I just couldn't stop talking about it. And I just needed an outlet because I was driving it's everyone mad. Yeah. It's spilled over. I was driving everyone mad. But I love it. it because I love how excited, like, you know me, my favourite thing is, is hearing people be excited yes. about things, whatever those things are. And it just shines out of you. Your love for it just... I do love it. I don't think I'll it's ever. Amazing. I don't think I'll ever get bored of it. I mean, that was like eleven years ago now, and I'm still just as obsessed as ever. Sorry. I'm having a little bit of FOMO. <laughs> so, as someone obviously who can't come and see you at the moment, Janine, because I'm in the wrong country. No. What can I? What, what can I do to find out more about this? Where, where can, can? Is there places oh. I can look? Or obviously, I'm going to read. Have you got a blog? Start with or? Janine's blog. Yes. Yeah. So, blog. so my blog is at um, inlovewithcolor.com. Cool. Uh, the UK, the UK spelling of color. Um, and I would say, actually, if you haven't had your colors and you've no easy way of doing that um there are things so there are colors that suit everyone so um teal is a common color that suits everyone and um red actually as well um so that's kind of a good place to start but i'd also just say like uh, look at your instincts like what colors are you drawn towards you know because that's always very telling i think oftentimes we buy especially when we're buying clothes we buy them because we need them for an occasion or you know it's that horrible thing of like oh I'm you know I've got a wedding to go to I've got you know an occasion and I need an outfit and you just buy whatever you can basically get your hands on that doesn't seem too bad but it's really you know it's really perfect we're really that lucky but um yeah so I'd say like just just sort of look at your instincts and what you're drawn to really and see if there are any similarities between those colors but unfortunately with color analysis it's one of those things where you do really need to be there in person with the drapes yeah. sort of draping people i've had people say to me before oh you know can you not do some kind of you know online color color consultation thing and you know as you guys know because you're photographers it just isn't you know oh. you need yeah exactly you need yeah the color need the tints and stuff that you get with cameras yeah and stuff. It just wouldn't work, oh would my it? god yeah. exactly yeah. that no exactly and I, and I the reason i know this doesn't work as well is that when i go and drape people sometimes I take photos they're kind enough to let me take photos and I blog about it and um oftentimes you know I've seen a color in real life I know it's like 10 out of 10 perfect color for them I take a picture and it's just not conveyed in the same like it's you know whatever the camera's doing you know whatever the the colors are surrounding us that have influenced the picture whatever it just doesn't quite capture how good that that color looks on that person Mm. so I just know that it's a it's a poor second unfortunately it has to be done you know 
in 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 real life as it were well i'm definitely going to be scheduling in when i do get to come back to the uk because i think i i I need to i need to experience this now i need to feel this life changing i mean i think at the rate we're going you're going to have to come and spend like a month at my house and then you can go and see everybody else that's not a problem we can do that so much we need to do (laughs) that's awesome i love amazing i have another i have another friend who lives in canada who also wants to be draped i'm very excited like if anyone says they want to be draped i'm so excited so plane trip you could we could always not right now because covid but (laughs) yeah we could always yeah exactly we could always set it up as a as a thing for you over here you could come and do a little tour of doing some some draping oh, and oh that'd be, that'd be amazing cool. that'd be fun that'd be so fun <laughs> future plans <laughs> i love it excellent so um let's leap into the next so, question where does the writing fit in i have to know i have to know where the writing fits yes in oh yes mm. forgot about that carry on yes yeah so um gosh yeah so had a bit of counselling and life coaching all that kind of stuff you know got myself in a, re- a really good sort of headspace you know I'd, I'd I was in my 30s at this point and um was living with my partner and you know it was just generally content but something felt missing and I ended up actually thanks to you Carla because you introduced me to Kristin Kalb I ended up doing a, a a writing intensive um in 2016 with her um and it that long ago? Wow. yeah I know it was four years ago now no fuck god it's nearly no it's actually five, five years yeah ago. Mm. that's terrifying and um yeah it came at just the right time and really changed things for me and then that kind of started the ball rolling and don't get me wrong it wasn't easy like I can talk to you guys all day about how much I've struggled with the writing but um yeah it started it started there I'd say and then in 2018 I moved from working five days a week to four um and yeah and that that was great because it did it helped with the sort of work-life balance thing but also gave me theoretically more time for writing so um yeah that's kind of that's that's where i started with it um yeah yeah so shall we okay let's switch our questions around a bit then let's have a chat about the struggles and then we'll Mm. move on to the the Mm. exciting glorious bits after that what do we think so can you talk to us a little bit because i think this is something that i think is going to resonate with a lot of people um because we all suffer creative blocks we always also all struggle with routine like all the things that i know you and i've chatted about in the past Mm. um I'm just really interested to know more about that and how it kind of applies to the writing and how you've kind of tackled it and if you're willing to share. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, where to start? Um, I think what I will say is that over the last four or five years, the nature of my struggles has changed, but there have always been, there's always been something for me to overcome. So when I first started writing, I would say that the thing I really struggled with was, was my sort of work before play mindset. So you know, I think that's something that's instilled in some people when they're kids, and that was the case for me. And so I really struggled. I very much saw writing as play and a bit self-indulgent, mm. and I really struggled to prioritise that. So often, so it, right at the beginning, you know, I'd say I'd want to write, and I, I had a novel that I was writing, and the reality was that I was just cleaning my house a lot. Um, and that's, you know, and I really had to, I had to make some sacrifices as well. You know, um, my house isn't filthy by any stretch, but I really had to be like okay maybe I won't iron my pajamas and my bedding and maybe there there are certain things that I can let go a little bit you know in order to make <laughs> time and space for the writing but that's how like that's how it was for me I'm laughing first. in recognition not at you I'm, well, I'm, 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 I'm also <laughs> I'm also laughing at the fact that you actually it looks painful for you to say those things <laughs> oh no it is it is because it's you know the stereotype is that kind of of the creative is that kind of person who doesn't care about their house and they're very eccentric mm. and you know and they live in sort of creative chaos and that's not 
actually true for me and um and so yeah I really did have to kind of come to terms with well just I, I it was really hard for me to to justify writing to myself I think that I think ultimately like you know we can laugh about the fact that I did a lot of cleaning and it is funny but the reality was that I didn't recognize the value of my own dreams and <gasps> I oh. I was cleaning instead and it felt to write felt self-indulgent and I felt almost guilty because you know for, for doing it so I'd say I say that was like my first kind of major yeah my major hurdle and I'd say also if you I don't know if have you ever read The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin nice it's a bloody love Gretchen Gretchen Rubin Gretchen Rubin I can't speak today don't call her that no, I speak, can't say her name, but absolutely love her. Yes, and the four tendencies yeah. are fascinating. Yes, to me. and so I'm an obliger, which basically means Ooh. that I have a, a tendency to prioritise other people's needs over my own. Um, and so I find it very hard to say no to people, and I find it really easy to to sort of say, oh well, I can't write today because I promised so and so I'd do that mm. for them. You know, so I struggled with the work before play thing. I struggled with not cleaning. I struggled with feeling guilty. And then I struggled with the obliger stuff. And I, and also like that feels related um, is, uh, you know, that whole delayed gratification thing where I think as a, as a child, actually, you're kind of rewarded for um, for delaying your, your gratification, you know, for, for doing the work before play, you know, eating your dinner before mm-hmm. dessert. And so, and I'm someone that takes that, I, I, I was taking that to ex- extremes, to be honest. And so, you know, I delay delay the gratification. I delay the writing and do everything. You know, all the important stuff first, all my chores, whatever. But then I'd get to the end of the day and I'd be exhausted. And actually, writing of an evening isn't doesn't work for me. I really I'm much better first thing in the morning. My brain's fresher, and that's when I write best. But it's quite it was hard for me to, um, you know, to literally put that that first. That, so I'm just going to yeah. interrupt you there because this is mm. resonating so much for me right now. <laughs> it's, I can see Sarah's uncomfortable well, face. I'm, I'm literally, <laughs> I can literally talking? feel my heart like doing this weird contracting thing. Like, oh my God, this is, this is me. This is me. what I'm doing. And oh it's just, goodness, yeah. it's, um for me, it's because obviously my, my day job now is writing. This is what I do a lot of the time. Mm. I write for people now. And I've, I've developed, I've turned into this mindset of, oh, I must get the client work done first because that's the paid work. Oh my God, yes. Um, yes. So to actually sort of hear you sort of talking about this, this work and play and the feeling guilty about writing. And mm. so tell, how have you overcome that then? Talk to me about how you, because I'm, obviously I now need some advice about this. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, it honestly took me a long time mm. to get my head around the fact that my dreams were important. And I think that has only really fairly recently been cemented for me um, because I have a coach, the brilliant Gabriella Blandy. And she was the one that said to me, you know, she was the one that helped me see that like, it's, you know, my it's my life and my dreams on the line here. You know, this isn't trivial, far from it. Mm. And I think I'd been very much seeing writing that way, but it was, honestly it just took it honestly took me years to try and understand you know and and the reason that I came to have that understanding was just that struggle Mm. that constant struggle of like I say I want to write and I'm not doing the thing that I say I want to do what's going on here and there was such a lot to unpick so yeah that's I'm sorry it's probably not like no (laughs) that's probably not the answer you want to hear like it took me a long time to realize Mm. that my dreams were important 
actually yeah. I'd say that's more comforting than yes. oh actually I did this one exercise and then boom oh yeah no there was no there was no I like I don't think that's realistic so that that's actually very honest and thank you for honesty because I think that does resonate much more mm. actually is that it's, it's a process yeah, yeah. It? A, and there is getting over that is a process not an instant fix absolutely and I will say like yeah. there is hope like for people out there who are thinking oh yeah I do the housework all the time and I I'm not getting around to my writing like there is hope I have got closer now to writing way more regularly and and all of that stuff but it's uh, it's it's almost like this when you start doing something like this and you really prioritize something that really matters to you or you try to prioritize something that really matters to you there's it's interesting what it kicks up actually I feel mm. like there's a lot for me to unpick around this so I have a question around that then. One of the, the questions that I've held close, I hated it when I was first asked it. I found it really, really difficult to, to stomach. I was just like, oh no, no, bugger off. Don't want to think about it. But the more I do this chasing my dreams thing, you know, living the life I actually wanted thing. Um, so somebody very wise asked me a long time ago, what are you willing to give up in order to have the life that you say that you want? And I feel like there's echoes of that going on here. It's like, what... what yeah what are you having to change what are you is it just about creating a habit or is it about actually reassessing everything in order to fit in the writing that is or insert for listeners insert whatever it is this the thing that you want to do but in in your case Janine writing yeah is it is it just a new habit or is there something more going on I think you have to kind of reshuffle I think there's something more so don't get me wrong like you obviously have to figure out where you're going to find time for this and the reality is that it doesn't actually have to be very much I tend not to write for longer than sort of 90 minutes unless I'm really really you know taken with an idea and I can't stop writing Mm. but generally speaking you know a good writing session for me is 90 minutes so and you don't even have to write every day you know people say oh you should write every day and I don't even believe that it's not always convenient can I just get an amen for that because the amount of books you read that say oh you must write every day of writing habits do it this time of day must be this long you you know and I'm like I've tried all of this and it doesn't work for me I can't and then I feel guilty because I've missed a day and oh my god yes and then when you do sit down, you're so busy worrying about what you missed yesterday that you don't do oh, the, yes. yes. And then you end up so So can we just re- reiterate that point? Say yes, it again loud do. for yes, me. Yes, you don't have to write every day. Yay! You don't have to do it. It's so exciting. No, you don't. And like, whatever works for you. And so, yes, yeah, so, so it's one thing to kind of find that time. But what what I think is that it's it's rarely about the fact that you don't have enough time. That's almost never the problem mm. the problem is there's something else going on that you know and for me it was uh, for me it was internalized capitalism it was a lack of self-compassion it was impatience that I was always you know I'd never written as, as much as I wanted to or you know it was um you know the work before work before play mindset it was you know the delayed gratification so it was it was so much else like it, it's so easy to look at it and go oh it's obviously a time problem and then bearing in mind I went from working five days to four thinking oh well I'm going to be so productive now I've, I've got all this extra time in which to write no <laughs> we've all done that <laughs> the reality was when I was working full time I wrote a novel and then since then I've worked four days a week and I have not finished my second novel mm. yet, so there's something going on with that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, you, you suddenly you find the uh, the ability to fill that time up with all these other things, don't you? And Absolutely. One of my really it's a really sim- really silly little comparison, but I'd got to the point where I I wasn't reading very much anymore. I'd seem to have stopped oh, reading, God, yes. which was which broke my heart because I love reading. And Me too. I read something one day, and it said, 
just find 10 minutes in a day to read. So I set myself a challenge. I thought 10 minutes, I can do 10 minutes. Come on, you know, that's not a lot of time. That's 10 minutes less of watching Netflix or, you know, all these other things, what scrolling on Instagram or on my phone and stuff like that. So I did it, I, I set it for, it was my evening thing before I before I got into bed. I'd do 10 minutes in my uh, of reading my book and then that 10 minutes became 20 and then it became half an hour and now it's an hour before I go to bed and I sit there and I read and it's lovely I've, I'm on like my fourth book this this year already which you know mm. last year would have taken me like six seven months to get to that point so yeah so it's yeah. just it's, it makes such a difference and it must be the same with with um you know with with the writing it's, it's the yeah the practice, yeah exactly yeah, creative practice yeah, definitely yeah. Mm. and I think Gosh, I think one of the biggest things for me was around self-compassion. And I didn't mm. realise how much I was berating myself. Yeah. Honestly, it wasn't even a conscious thing. You know, when people say, oh, but maybe you're being a bit hard on yourself. And I'd be like, no, I don't think I am. But I was actually. Yeah. I just didn't really realise. And so now I, you know, I assign time for writing. Okay, like I'm going to spend 90 minutes, you know, on a Wednesday morning. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try and write. And I don't put any expectation on myself that words are going to come because they might not or actually what might happen is that I'll sit down and um, the words aren't coming and then I have to ask myself instead of berating myself which is something that I used to do or, or feeling guilty or being like oh why can't I get the words out now I have to ask myself what do I need mm. now that might be good quality input I might need a book I might need yeah. to watch tv I might need to walk I might need to chat with a friend about something um you know that's actually a really good one if you're stuck on a particular point you know having a chat with someone and funnily enough I, I emailed a, someone in my writing group today and said I'm I'm struggling I've got these two characters and there's just no kind of sexual chemistry between them. And I'm writing a romance novel. So how is, you know, how's that going to work? Can I, you know, can this be fixed? And, you know, she, she wrote a brilliant answer. But that's like having that kind of like discussion, being able to talk about it with people is really useful as well. Mm -hmm. Like can really help you get out of a rut. But yeah, it was, it took such a lot of, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I suppose, what's the word? A lot of self-awareness for me to go, okay. Now, this is the bit where I have to be self-compassionate instead of berating myself. And my, I, I often joke, like, my muse, you only have to look at a funny and she legs it. Like, she's really <laughs> highly strung. Damn, and so, damn muse. <laughs> I know. It's really, absolutely, and so, really, I have to be able to, like, trust myself that I'm not going to essentially bully her. And yeah. because she doesn't respond well to that, she she just gives me the V sign and does and just legs it. So, um, rightly so yeah, as well, I, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. rightly so, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just being too heavy handed. And I'm, obviously I'm trying to be controlling and I want to have produced more. And, you know, I want to be writing a novel a year at least or maybe two. You know, and so I'm putting all these kind of, you know, ego based expectations mm, on her and yes. she's just not interested. Yeah. And so I've really had to come to terms with the fact that I don't control her slash my inspiration like I have to be kind and open to to her and then hope that she comes along and and graces me with her do you know what that reminds me of and I, I'm loving that I get to bring this up now because we all went to go and see um Liz Gilbert at the, at the big we magic did. thing together didn't yes. we? which is wonderful yeah but it reminds me of that story she tells about the woman in the field and the idea thundering towards her and mm. and then also the story she tells about um how she wrote one of her books, which the name escapes me now, even though I read it last year, and it was about how she 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 spent so much time gardening, and it turned into this idea of oh, the signature of all things. That one, I thank think. you. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. fabulous. Yeah. yeah, amazing book. But um, yes, yes. But she was in the garden a lot of the time, wasn't she? She had she no wasn't... thoughts for a book at all, did she? She was kind yeah, of she started researching, right. and and it kind of 
the way she talks it is obviously she obviously doesn't put that pressure on herself to think oh I must turn out a book this year you know and it's yes I think yeah it's just it's wonderful to hear that obviously that is a thing that we really should all be I think actually so there's there's something there then that I would also like to pick up on so you mentioned this might be too big a topic but if we could sort of skate across it that would be really good um you mentioned earlier a phrase which I find massively interesting internalized capitalism mm. and i feel like this is that thing of actually do you want to define it briefly for us but oh. i feel like this is really relevant in terms of writing for yourself versus writing for people versus doing the creative practice thing because you feel like you must monetize it at yes. all costs can we have a little bit of a an exploration yes right bear with me just a minute she's pulling up um, notes <laughs> i am pulling up notes i love it <laughs> she's so organized I, apolog- I apologize you might have to like um edit this that's out, fine but... carry on it's it's basically so internalized capitalism it's basically where you value yourself on like not you don't value yourself like as a person full stop which is like where we we all aspire to be Mm. it's where you value yourself based on what you can produce and your output and it's very results driven it's very like output focused and the interesting thing about internalized capitalism is that it also kind of I think I I read a great, great thing online about how, um, like we often like it can lead to sort of self neglect actually because we're we're not looking we're not treating ourselves and as humans we're we're seeing ourselves as like a, a conduit for you know, a a vehicle for for their output essentially and so the problem is that that the focus becomes on like the focus is then on the output Uh. and. And so, yeah, I think that's, I was getting wrapped up in that internalized capitalism thinking, oh, I'm not producing enough, you know, um, I need to maybe make money from this if I'm like, if I've cut my, my hours down at work, maybe I should be thinking about how this could pay and all of that kind of stuff. So putting lots of pressure on in that way. So yeah, I think internalized capitalism has a lot to answer for actually. And I think, I think we're all prone to it on some level. I think it's very oh, yeah. insidious. I think it's, it's, it's everywhere, I think, I think. Yeah. I think in our generation as well, I think it's the reason I'm, I'm so interested is because obviously writing is, is very clearly one of the things that brings mm. you joy. Mm. Um, but a lot of people um, enter into writing thinking, well, it's a thing that will pay some bills or it will, you know, it's, mm. I, I want to write because I want to sell it eventually. Yeah. And I think that battle is really hard because sometimes you just, like you say, you, sometimes you just want to write for yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you do want to write commercially. I'm sure, I'm sure there are, you know, there are, there are, pulls in both directions um and something that um sarah and i have actually talked about quite a lot but one of the things that i'm doing this year is making deliberate space for my personal photography work Mm. because although i love my business and i have a real tendency to turn every hobby i own into a business i don't think that's internalized capitalism i think i just have problems with wanting to tell the world about things that i'm doing and then get the rest of the world to experience things i'm doing but i feel like in doing all of that and in running several businesses and then opening some and closing some and joint ventures and all the stuff that i do I had actually neglected creating stuff just yeah. for me mm, with no yeah. expectation that anyone will like it other than me. I might not even like it, but I need to do it. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like that's... that's it's like being able to sort of create just you for creation's sake, isn't it? Just yeah. for creation's yeah. sake. And I'm hearing that that's what you're doing now, but maybe that's not what you had always done with the role. Maybe that's where some of the struggles of the writing came from. And yeah. I just kind of wanted to pick up on it because I think we won't, if, it, if, if it's affecting all three of us, there's no way it will, it will only be Absolutely. affecting all three of us. No. So. And do you know what's really interesting? So I'm supposed to be writing novel two at the moment, you know, my second one, and there's there's that saying isn't there second novel syndrome and I'm definitely suffering with it a bit it's hard it's hard Mm. it's been difficult but the funny thing that's happened to me as I've been writing this or trying to write this novel is um 
I just had this idea for a short story as I was writing this novel and I was like oh this this short story wouldn't leave me alone and I thought I know better than to disrespect the muse yes so I'm going to write it down and see just see what happens and I have never been so prolific I have never written as much I'm usually a you know maximum of 500 words in a session I'd be delighted if I managed 500 words in a session and I've been writing you know two three four thousand words a day it's unheard of for me but it's because I gave myself permission to be completely self-indulgent and just write for myself and as a result I've just ended up spewing out this you know I've had the best time writing it and also this sense of guilt because I'm like I really should be writing the second novel um but my thinking is my thinking is actually the the writing this pure for pure joy is for me, that feels like it's probably going to actually un unblock the the little thing that's stopping you with your novel, and probably will actually once you've got this out of the way because you've just written this for pure joy and no other reason, mm. you can get back to the novel and think, okay, I've got that thing out of my head now. Let's let's you know let's. Does that, does that feel? Does that something that feels like that's how, for me? That's how I kind of think personal work sometimes can work for you it's, it's lets you have that complete self-indulgence so then you can go back to doing the thing that you really know you need to do yeah I definitely think there's value in that I would also say that I'm learning so much from from writing this short story in as much as it's really made me appreciate how important it is to write the thing that you're most excited mm, about writing yes. because that's mm-hmm. where you hit that sweet spot where your muse is cooperating and suddenly the words are actually coming and you can't quite believe it and you're just like okay don't question it just <laughs> don't don't give a side eye just keep going just keep going <laughs> don't scare um, it off yeah. yeah don't scare it off um, <laughs> honestly it, feel, it feels like that oh, honestly yeah. it honestly feels like that like just don't don't yeah. look at the funny um yeah and so it's taught me it's taught me the value of that um, and also, I will say, I think if you're writing something and you're having a great time writing it, I think your reader invariably will have a great time yeah, reading it. Absolutely. So one, one of the best one of the best examples um, like of novels that I love that have come about this way. So there's a brilliant novel I love. It's um, romantic fiction. It's quite racy. So obviously only read it if you're into that. <laughs> but um, it's by it's called The Hating Game and the author is Sally Thorne. And I'm fascinated by the kind of birth story of this novel because what happened was um, a friend asked her, asked Sally, if she would write them a short story for their birthday. And they said, you know, something along the lines of like, in terms of themes, she said, oh, you know, I'm going to give you the word nemesis. So can you write around that, please? And so Sally did. And she got completely carried away, away writing the short story. And it ended up being a very, very long short story. Wow. And um, and what ended up happening is that her friend looked at it and said, oh my God, I love this. This is great. Please, can I show it to my agent and see if they're interested? And that's how the novel got published. And I think it, when I read that novel, I think it, you can just tell she had a blast writing it. And, and so that's what I'm really... My focus has changed. Like I used to really be quite... Uh, focused on any sort of output and like oh you know I'd love it if I could write a novel a year and that kind of thing and now I'm thinking no my focus needs to be what do I love writing so much that the words come easily yeah and and what might people you know if I'm having a blast writing it are people gonna have a, a blast reading it I think so I love I that really do. I love that I think that's fantastic that a that's a really yeah, good thing too. to remember actually for not just even for writing but I think for any kind of creative pursuit I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of like even with photography it's it's mm. something like if I if I I look at some of the photos I've taken and ones that I've just taken because it's there and I'll take a picture of it and others that I've 
shot with and I've loved doing it I can see the difference mm. in those images so Definitely. yeah I love that I think that's wonderful I'm just going to interject. While we were all grinning like a loon while, while Janine was talking just now, I did manage to sneak a screenshot because Sarah oh, and I were just good. grinning like absolute idiots. <laughs> and I'm always <laughs> terrible at forgetting Amazing. these things. So. I've no idea what we look like in the screenshots, but just so you're, if they're good enough, I'll put them in the. If they're okay, I'll put them in the, yes. uh, in the show notes. Excellent. It was just really funny as you were talking to see us both like nod and smile in recognition, mm, and then just keep yeah. smiling because what you're saying is resonating. Oh, and you know, I know this is a podcast, but we're just going to add that little Definitely. visual in because I love that. amazing, fantastic. Yeah, really so should we? Because obviously we've talked a lot about struggles, and thank you for being so mm, um, in depth yes. with those. Thank I think we could lot. probably do a whole podcast just talking about struggles actually it would be oh, e- yeah, easily yeah, definitely, yeah. Whole, 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 <laughs> whole season, season full yeah definitely but um so d- just but uh, just because it's my favorite question before we kind of round this up but what is what's the most glorious thing that's that's uh, ha- moment that's happened to you so far in this whole creative journey oh do you know what was amazing i met my most favorite author of all time <laughs> Freya North. Oh. I met her, I met her at an Arvon retreat in December 2019, and oh my god, it was just so amazing. Oh, like amazing. it's one of those things that I would have never have gone to the retreat if I hadn't kind of got back into the writing. Obviously, it wouldn't have made sense. Um, and I met her, and she was so lovely, and she read some of my work, and she was nice to me. Like she told me I could write, and she gave me a signed copy of my favourite book of hers of all time, which is The Turning Point. Which Sarah, you must read it because it's set in um, Canada. I did. Um, you recommended of... it to me before, and I did read oh, did it. Yes, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> she ended up signing that, and um, oh my god, I was like. I was starstruck. I really had to try not to fangirl at her because Aww. obviously that's not an attractive thing to do. But <laughs> oh, it was just, yeah, it was so, it was, yeah, that's got to be like my highlight was as meeting her because it was such a dream. I've literally been reading her book since a teenager. Oh, amazing. And it was just, it was why, it was just like, it was almost like, you know, when you're like, is this even real? Like, am I actually Did you, is, did is you this almost like, do that thing that we see like um, kids doing when they see like one dimension or whatever their name is, direction? <laughs> I can't remember their name. When they start <laughs> sobbing, you know, oh, it's so this the famous thing. <laughs> there I'm gonna stop did you do that I I didn't but I did like whenever I was stood near her in my head I was like oh my god this is this is so wild I can't believe I can't believe I've actually got to meet her like I was such a but I did I'm I'm proud to say I did rein it in I didn't embarrass myself (laughs) but I was very excited to meet her are we allowed are we allowed to tweet her this podcast Uh, all right I think uh, I I think she'll be understanding Do you know what she she actually she actually knows I'm on this podcast today uh, because oh. she she's doing a Facebook live right now I think and um and I said to her oh, I'm so sorry I can't come because I'm on a podcast and she said oh I hope it, she she was like really nice about it and I was like yeah it's fine I'll do a live another time sure, isn't that wild she knows I'm here. fantastic <laughs> I'm oh, feeling quite really exciting. Some... <laughs> <laughs> so what let's let's go with. What advice would you yes. give to our listeners, do you think, if they are writing or creating or in any other or way? Or just me, because, um, you know, I'm struggling. Just, so. <laughs> well, I was going to say, just us, really. Yeah. 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 Like us. So I would say... Well, what do you reckon your big piece of advice mm. would be? I would say self-compassion is non-negotiable. I would say give yourself what you need in order to write, and that might be reading, it might be going for a walk, it might be something that really doesn't feel related to writing. Um, I'd also say, actually, don't worry, especially in the beginning, don't worry too much about writing craft, because I think it's very tempting to be like, oh, I'm writing a novel, I'll buy a book on that and read up on writing craft. And I found that 
that turned me off to be honest mm. um i the best thing i think you can do if you're just starting out and you need a boost and you need some inspiration is to read some writing mindset books because they really give you a boost and like sometimes when i'm feeling a bit in a rut i'll read a writing mindset book you know and by that i mean big magic by liz gilbert or bird by bird um, by anna Lamott, oh, or you know one of those, something something by julia cameron you know that kind of thing they really help you to kind of get out of a rut mm. and yeah and i would say you know play is essential don't expect to be able to produce words constantly and you know if you're anything like me your your muse will only cooperate on her terms and bullying her doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> she's basically a cat it's basically yeah. she's a, she's a strong yeah. cat yeah and you know i, I feel that's yeah. that, that's probably some of the best advice i've had because i'd say i've uh, when i decided i decided this year that i was going to write a a book that a, a novel it's it's been a long life a lifelong dream for me to do that. God, we're all writers, and can't, none of us can speak today, honestly. Yeah, we're literally all falling over our words. <laughs> today. Today. <laughs> so but um, there is a reason this this podcast hashtag is called. Uh, this is very true. Everybody seems Seriously. to get absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I promised myself I wanted to write a novel this year. It's been a lifelong dream. It's something I've always wanted to do, and so I I started the year off with this intention of oh yes, I'm going to develop a writing habit because I know that's what I need to do. And so far, mm. I've written three times this this year. So yeah, um, but you've I feel like you've almost given me permission there to say hey, that's okay. That's that's fine. If that's if that's what I've got in me at the moment, then that's absolutely fine. So thank you. Thank you yes. very much for doing that. You're very welcome. And I, I think to go back to um, that magical day where we all went to see yes. Miss Gilbert, which was a total accident that we all ended up going together, but it was a bloody oh, lovely amazing. day. Amazing. It? it was. Um, she did a whole exercise on, on permission slips and giving yourself and giving giving the people around you permission to do what you yes. need to do. And I feel that fits in really nicely with, with that mm. kind of ethos. But yeah you do do what fits with you but it is it's also really nice because i am also trying to write a book although not a novel you'll be delighted to hear um and <laughs> nobody wants to read what's happening inside my head um and last night last night i dreamt of tiny 10p sized kittens nobody wants to know what's happening inside my head so um but for non-fiction writing i have the same thing i, I continually think oh, i'm going to create a habit i'm going to do it every day and then i do it for a week and then i can't yeah um, so thank you too because that has given me some um, some thoughts on how I might tackle that mm. to get it done without pressurising myself yeah. and I think that ultimately is what a lot of us need for our creative practice whatever that is whether it's painting whether it's sculpting whatever it is um, is to not put pressure on in order to get the best out yes. of yourself yeah I think I think the problem with having expectations sometimes is that they can really get in the way of that creative process I'd say like allocate yourself some time and then if the words don't come don't panic and just be like okay what do i need like the lightest the lightest touch like okay what do i need and then just i like this mm. question yeah like, what do i need yeah because we don't ask ourselves no, that very we, often no. do we we worry about what other people need we worry about what has to be done we worry about obligations and deadlines yes i can't remember the last time i thought okay what do i need mm. what do i need in this mm. moment need rather yes. than wants yes. totally yes. different thing yeah really definitely yeah. yeah oh i yeah. love that thank you're you you're a wise human mm. i mean we knew you were a wise human but you're an even wiser human <laughs> than we thought you were Oh, thanks. <laughs> so can you tell us about yourself? Where can we find you? Where would you like people to visit? What What would you like us to link to in the show notes? Tell mm. us all the things and we'll translate them into links and sure. stuff. Sure, yeah. So you can see my uh, colour blog at inlovewithcolour.com and I post on Instagram and Twitter um, on with the handle tealovingwriter um, and I basically post about my writing process and anything else that I'm preoccupied with so Excellent. it's a bit random but yeah oh, I like writing. it it's good <laughs> wonderful 
Perfect. Fantastic. Lovely. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for joining one. us. I'm so pleased and to get your... a writer on here as well. It's been a bit... Oh, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> and it's just been lovely hearing hearing the kind of the real behind yes. the scenes stuff that I think people don't always talk mm. about. I think that was at the heart of what we wanted yeah, when we started absolutely. this podcast, wasn't Definitely. it, Sarah? And yeah. I think you've done that beautifully. Mm. So Aww, thank you very thank much. You. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, excellent. So cool. till next yes, episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love for you to rate us, review us and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Five stars, please. Uh, Where can people find us online, Sarah? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Reboot Co. And we also have a Facebook group, which we'd love you to join to come and talk to us about the episodes. Just search for Creative Reboot Group. And you can also go to our website, creativereboot.co, where you can subscribe to our mailing list and get in touch with us if you fancy being a guest or if you have topics you want us to talk about. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Oh, yeah.